You are listening to Pullin' Weeds, the official podcast of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association. Brought to you by Simplot, a forward-thinking company committed to bringing next-level innovation and solutions to turf managers from coast to coast. Welcome back to another edition of Pullin' Weeds. This is Jim Huntoon here on behalf of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association. We have a special edition today of the Pullin' Weeds podcast. This is a tribute to our friend, past president, and distinguished service award winner, Mr. Bill Anderson, who unfortunately left us quite recently after a lifetime of contributions to the game of golf and our industry in general. This was originally recorded as a YouTube member profile at Florence Country Club. Mr. Alan Knight and I met Bill at Florence Country Club and recorded this for our member profile series that we were doing. But we wanted to release it as a podcast so more people would listen to it and as a tribute to Bill and all his contributions to everyone in our industry and especially here in the Carolinas. He talks a lot about his involvement with the CGA, some of the different things that he did in his career, including his time at Carmel and his service with the association. And it's just a good chance to let Bill speak for himself. Um, So we hope you all enjoy it. We hope everyone has a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday season. We hope that everyone's looking forward to 2023 and that everyone's going to get through this cold snap um, unscathed. We've been through these before and we'll get through this one. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Bill and let him speak. Hello, welcome. Today for the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association member profile, we have Mr. Bill Anderson. Thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Um, We're going to start off talking about your new role with the Carolinas Golf Association as agronomist. It's been a new thing that you transitioned to four years ago? Yeah, 2014. Okay, so about six years ago, after a long tenure at Carmel Country Club. 42 years at Carmel. Yep, I would consider that long. Yeah. Um, So why don't we start off talking about the CGA and what its mission is, what its purpose is here in the Carolinas, um, what it does for golf in the Carolinas. Sure. Yeah, the Carolinas Golf Association is the is the spearhead of amateur golf for the Carolinas. It is there to, to produce these competitions, uh, determine who the champions are every year. They, they control and, and administer all the handicap service for, for all the different members and golfers throughout the Carolinas that, that have a, a gin number and are, are participating in the handicap service. Uh, there's the Carolinas Golf Association Foundation, which is the philanthropic part of the organization that raises money to, to give to golf, to give back to golf, to support different organizations. And then I think the newest, biggest thing that I take away from some of the meetings I've had recently is to grow the game. To, you know, Carolinas Golf Association knows we need golfers, we need more golfers, and we need to continue to support uh, youth. And Youth on the Course is one of the big programs to get, you know, to keep these young people coming up and, and making more golfers for for us to have a reason to have the Carolinas Golf Association. 
and your role is agronomist. I'm an agronomist, one of two, I believe, in the country, California and the Carolinas, that are big enough to support uh, a, a full-time agronomist on call to, to visit golf courses as they request for agronomic services or anything I can offer as regards to my experience as being a superintendent and, and help problem solve different clubs with different issues. And an average week for you. What, what is that like? Average week, it's, it's pretty much in the season when it's busy. Yep. It will be two to three visits a week on a busy week. So it's a, it's a travel to that golf course, usually a half day visit, plus or minus four to six hours. And then uh, there's a return uh, follow-up uh, report, which can vary from four to seven pages on, on what the, the day was about, what we looked at, some of my recommendations, and just to document some of the things we were trying to improve on and work with. And I usually meet with the superintendent, uh, always, always with the superintendent. Numerous times there's other club officials there that will be part of the, the whole tour and the discussion of these issues. And these issues run the gamut of golf course and golf course maintenance. We're all familiar with those. Right. Um, then how, how do people utilize your services? You have, the club has to be a member of the CGA, right. correct? First, your club needs to be a member of the CGA, and that entitles you to ask for my services. Uh, my services are highly um, subsidized by the Carolinas Golf Association, so a small member club, it isn't a big expenditure in money to have me come and visit for the day. It's just basically a, a nominal fee and, and some travel expenses, and that's it. And that service is, is provided by the Carolinas Golf Association through, through membership dues. Yeah, that's great, because a lot of times the clubs that need to utilize it don't necessarily have the funds to exactly. bring in the USGA or, mm -hmm. um, you know, I know I work for a management company, you know, we have agronomists that work for us, and it's a very valuable thing to have somebody come in who's experienced and just kind of bounce ideas off of or help. Sure, and that's the best visits are one they're just just problem solving and, and looking at the future and trying to make their golf course better. And a lot of small clubs, that it's a, I think it's a good service. They can use a little bit extra help, help support the superintendent, help support some of the things he's trying to get done, some of the programs he's trying to initiate. And uh, I think everybody benefits by that relationship. What are some of the things that you learned early on when you made the transition? I think uh, the biggest thing I've learned, and I still can learn, is how many small clubs are out there and how many small clubs have small budgets, small staffs, a superintendent is a working superintendent, and how hard he or she works and, and how much support they could, they could use. And, 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 and I really like working with those folks and, because they don't have all the great resources that I may have had at Carmel Country Club. So it's, a, it's good to be able to give back a little bit and work with them and try to you know, share some of that information and help them do a better job. Because they're hardworking. They are, they, are. they are doing many different jobs, wearing many different hats every day, almost every day of the year. Uh, that's one thing that I've learned over my career is, you know, a lot of people that don't, superintendents, facilities that don't have a lot of um, resources necessarily, there's still a lot of nobility in that and the way that they operate and the things that they do. And, you know, it's, I kind of look at it the same way I look at really high end places, you know, it's easy to look at those and say, oh, they've got everything, but there's expectations. And I guess where I'm going with this is every part of the business has its 
issues and it has its certain things that make it difficult. There's no easy road in golf course maintenance. I agree. And everybody, and some of these smaller clubs, I think maybe have the harder row yeah. to hold, but uh, they, they show up every day. They don't have a lot of support. They've got a lot to do with a lot of different things from the administration to the irrigation to the spray tech, and it's all rolled into one. And I, I my hat's off to them. It's, it's, yeah. That's one thing I've learned. There's a lot more of those out there than I realized. And they need all the support they can get. They're good for their clubs, and we need to help them. And we've got a lot of great golf courses here yeah. in the Carolinas. And um, what uh, would you say is, is there anything that, that you saw out there in your travels over the years that if you were to go back to be a superintendent again, that you would use or that you would utilize? I mean, have you learned some new tricks and some things? I think the, one of the things I've learned is to, is to always stay with the basics. You know, and I got, you know, my last part of my career, I was a lot of administration and you can kind of get away from the, from the true agronomic side of it. So I think it, it would help me focus on that. That's just as important today as it was 25 years ago, that the, the agronomy has to be checked. You, know, you have to have good programs to have good success. So I think I've, I've learned that and, and just, uh, you know, trust yourself with the, the agronomic issues of crop and soil science, you know, the, that, that, ha that stuff needs to be, uh, you know, researched and try, try things and, and know what you're using and how you're doing it. Yeah, and foundations and, you know, the basic, like you said, mm -hmm. the processes there, they change a little bit over the years, but in general, they're, they're pretty solid. Right. right. And it's easy for us to get caught up in whatever's new in the industry, and obviously innovation's important, but I've always found in my career that sometimes you start going down a path and you realize that maybe the way we used to do it is better. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the simple things that sometimes are the wisest things, yeah. right? Well, let's turn into talking a little bit more about you. Okay. Um, the research that I did on you, I didn't realize that you were an Evans scholar mm -hmm. way back. And can you talk a little bit about that? I know a lot of people probably don't understand what that is. And um, just go into that a little bit. Yeah, an Evans Scholar program is administered by the Western Golf Association, which is very similar to the Carolinas Golf Association. It goes way back to the 1930s when Chick Evans was a successful uh, golfer who never turned professional, and his earnings started this Evans Scholarship program. It is strictly for caddies. It's based on, uh, first you have to be a caddy. You have to have some, um, some recommendations and some academic uh, qualifications and you and you have to have some financial need and many caddies did have financial need so uh, I was fortunate to caddy for a couple of years at um, Point of Woods in uh, Benton Harbor Michigan where I grew up and uh, it had a nice golf course there called well like I mentioned Point of Woods and it had a big pro caddy program so I started caddying there and uh, I like caddying, I like being on the golf course. I, I was not a great golfer as a young kid. Uh, I, it was not my claim to fame, but I like I liked to caddy and I like to be out there. So I started that and qualified for the program for the caddy scholarship, got it, went to Michigan State. Um, after, <clears throat> during that, after that caddy couple of years, I saw older guys, you know, older young men working on the golf course, pushing mowers, mowing grains, raking bunkers, and, and that was just, in my view, a step up. That was an hourly job. That's what I wanted to try to do. So I uh, applied for that job at the same golf course and got it and worked there all the way through high school, all the way through college part-time, 
and uh, it was just a great experience. And um, I really, that's where I fell in love with golf course maintenance was, you know, first started as a caddy and then working on the grounds crew at, at the country club. So it was, uh, it was a good start for a young guy. And I've never did anything else. That's the only thing I've ever did is work on a golf course. How old were you when you started caddying? 14. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's. And Pointo Woods, that's a Robert Trent Jones course. It, it is. Yeah. Yep. Very good one. Yep. In the top. Listed in the top golf courses for all of its history and yep. still is well thought of. Has a major, had many major uh, Western amateur events there. It now cycles in and out, but held it there for many years. So there was a lot of great golfers that had their, one of their major events that they won was at, uh, at that Western amateur. Yep. Yeah, the Western amateur and the Western Open, both back in the day, used to be big time mm -hmm. events. Right. That's faded a little bit as time has gone on. But I grew up in Illinois. So I was a little familiar with Chick Evans and the Western Golf Association okay. and everything that went into that. So um, you mentioned 42 years at Carmel. Mm -hmm. So just doing the simple math here, it didn't take very long for you to go from Michigan State to Carmel. Yeah, I, I mean, I was graduating from Michigan State. That's kind of an unusual story, but uh, I was in the four-year program, and back then Michigan State was on uh, on terms, so we didn't actually finish the, the spring term until well into June. So all the good jobs in Detroit and Chicago and the surrounding area were kind of filled by people coming out of the uh, two-year programs in the Midwest. So I applied for a job in, in, in Charlotte at Carmel Country Club. I uh, really didn't know much about it or where to go, go but I got an interview. Luckily, I got that job. I was an assistant at Carmel Country Club, started in June of 1973. And just uh, just got fortunate in that uh, who I was working for, uh, John Moreland, he moved on to another job. They offered me that job after a couple of years. Unbeknownst to me, it was probably on an interim basis, but I know I got to do it the first day, <laughs> and I and I stayed there ever since. So that's uh, that's kind of my you know really fortunate occurrence that I happened to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. And a lot of people ask me why, I mean, why so long? And it's really just, just sure luck, basically. And just, you know, I think I was pretty good at what I did. But at the point, at that time, you know, Carmel was growing from a, from out in the country, barely surviving 36-hole club, and survived to be one of the great clubs in the southeast, or great clubs in the country now, but it grew, it grew and grew. It grew as my career went and, and as I was there, and Charlotte did the same thing. Charlotte was not that big of a town in 1973. You know, for a lot of different reasons, it's been successful, so I never had to leave. It just got to be a better job all the time, and fortunately for me, I was there. What were some of the skills you think, or some of the things that enabled you to stay there for so long? Oh, I think I loved the job, and I was willing to do whatever it took to be successful at it. And I would, you know, certainly stub my toes at time, but I would just keep trying until we finally figured it out. And if you do that job for a long time, you can get pretty good at, at certain parts of it. So I think I think just the experience and 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 willing to to take it on and try it and, and just be successful and work hard at doing it because yeah. you don't always know what you're doing when you start something. You just got to, you got to figure it out and had a lot of people help me, yeah. a lot of mentors, a lot of people giving advice. I'd say the biggest, you know, my, you know, I had a good education coming out of Michigan State, but my really education comes out of the Carolinas Golf Course Superintendent Association, all their programs and the and GCSAA and all their seminars and programs. That's where I really, I think, 
got what I needed to know to be successful was, was that post-college education of, of just doing the work and going and getting that professional education. You always utilize continuing education. Oh, still do. Yeah, we all do. Still do. do. I think it's the key. Yeah, that's where the knowledge is, that, that basic applied science that we get on a daily basis from the great schools that we have in, in uh, North and South Carolina. We, you're, you're crazy not to take advantage of it. It is there. It is great information, and it always has been. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it's evolved. I mean, what they recommended in 1975 isn't what's recommended now, but we always got the best of the, of the research right, right at our front door. And I, I knew that you'd been president of the mm -hmm. Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association. I didn't realize it was 1982, though. Right. I was thinking it was in the 90s or the mm -hmm. early 2000s. But um, so you were you were younger then when you when yeah. you had that. Mm -hmm. And what do you remember about that experience? And what did you take away from that? Uh, it was a great experience. It was a challenging one because I was so young. Probably would have been better if I would have slowed down, but I was, once I got to be a superintendent, I wanted to be certified as fast as I could. I wanted to be on the board as fast as I could. I wanted to be an officer as fast as I could, so I just moved up the ranks real quick, and uh, it was it was good experience, and it just I just wanted to be involved in all the aspects of being a golf course superintendent. And the, the gentleman I worked for back at Point of Woods, when I was in high school, he was the president of GCSAA. So, you know, I had a background that was more or less expected. You were supposed to be participating to whatever level you could. Maybe you didn't want to be the president of an organization, but you should participate, you should host a meeting, you should support it, whatever you did. So I, once I started doing that, I enjoyed being on the committees and, yeah. and participating and, and, and taking a lead in the associations. So you also served another stint on the board. Mm -hmm. When was that? I guess that was in the uh, late 90s. I came back. Uh, I think Chuck Borman was the executive director and asked me to come back. So I came back pretty much knowing that I would never be an officer, just to be a, a good board member. Yep. And I really enjoyed that. I was older at the time, had more experience. And uh, you know, I think that was a good role. And I, I really enjoyed that, that uh, I could just participate and, and add things of value to it. And I really didn't have to be concerned about being a future officer or whatever, but I, I had the time to go to the meetings and, and support it. I didn't realize before I got on the board that there was always, they tried to always have mm -hmm. a past president on the board for the reasons you just explained, mm -hmm. and I think that's a good thing. It's very positive to have somebody who's been there done that and to have counsel like that on the board. Sure, and there's a lot of history that goes back from this organization that, that started a long time ago, but that those layers of history add to the, the value of the present decision making. So I think yeah. having somebody that can reach back and, and talk about the way it was and why it, why these decisions were made is, is good information. Yeah, that's something we're hopeful in the future to bring to the membership and to bring to people through these interviews and mm -hmm. some of the stuff we're doing is more of the history of the sure. Carolinas Golf Course Superintendents Association because there's a lot there yeah. and there's a lot that uh, a lot of our members probably don't know. So let's circle back to mem uh, mentors. Who were some of your other mentors early on or well, throughout any time through your career? career. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think my father was definitely a big one and he was he was not in the golf course business he was in a, he was a steel fabricating business and he he ran a shop and uh, but he always taught me the value of just getting up and going to work that was you know, he worked a lot of hours but he never missed a day 
and he was a family man that always supported his family, but he was, he was just, you know, no excuses. You went to work, you performed at your best duty, you gave it a good day, and that was, that was it, and, and you enjoyed your life after that. And after that, I'd say um, Norm Kramer, you know, I mentioned earlier the previous superintendent, he taught me how to work hard. He was, he was very disciplined. He had, you had standards that had to be kept. He had, and they were never deviated from, and he demanded that from everybody that worked for him. And I always carried that the rest of my life, that those standards are important. And, and the superintendent, it's up to them to, to maintain those standards. There's no one else there. You are the keeper of those standards. So he taught me that. The first uh, general manager I worked for, Graham McDeason at Carmel, taught me how to work with committees and boards. I mean, that was so valuable in my in my tenure there to learn how to deal with that and understand the politics of, of, of boards and committees, at least at, at a big club, and he was a genius at that, so that was good. And then Fred Meade, believe it or not, was, was a good mentor for me back when he was at uh, Raintree years and years ago. He's a little bit older than me, but he was a great, he taught me that how important it was to have other superintendents in the area that you could sound off questions about. Ask, you know, go to talk about whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, but we've always been good friends and I always felt that he did me a good service by teaching me that. And now maybe, maybe I did that for other people, so, you know, just to have that support. That's a great segue into the number of superintendents that have gone on underneath, that have worked yeah. underneath you and gone on to be superintendents. Do you have a number on that? Or? I think it's like 30. Yeah. The various fashion or forms worked for me, either as a, just worked for me, and then they were interns, maybe or maybe not, or assistant superintendents or superintendents. So I think, I think the whole number is, is 30 plus guys that have gone on to be golf course superintendents around the country. You have to take a lot of pride in that. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. You love to see them, you love to hear about their success as they've grown up. and. They've been successful and they get excited to talk about their club and their family and their kids and, and you remember when you hired them and they were right out of high school. So it's, yeah. it's, it's fun. I know you love golf. You and I have played together. We talked about that off air a little earlier and don't you think that um, loving golf, being involved in the game is important for people that are coming up in the business? Yeah, I think that's a unique thing for two reasons. One, you know, we have this beautiful canvas that we take care of and we build and we grow, but it's also connected to this great game. And not too many people can do that. I mean, we, we are connected by the golf, golf course and the game of golf. So I, I love that. And I think it makes you a better superintendent if you play golf. You don't have to be a good golfer. You just got to play golf and understand how what we do connects back to that competition of golf. And I've known numerous superintendents that were good that didn't play golf. I just don't know how they did it, but they did. So you don't have to, but I think your job is better, and you'll be better at your job if you do play golf and put an effort into it, understand the nuances of the game and how it affects. And I think it makes your decision-making as a superintendent easier because it's not how it looks, it's, it's how it plays. You, yeah. know, you, need to, you need to play golf to understand that it isn't, it isn't a visual thing, it's a playability thing. Yeah, and I would say, Playing, being, playing golf is important, but just understanding the game, mm -hmm. the traditions of the game, the history of the game, being able to talk about golf mm -hmm. is a thing that'll help young guys going forward, sure. whether they're dealing with committees or general managers or just golfers in general. Yeah, you know the rules because you're gonna have to mark the course. So it makes, it's, it connects right back to that competition. And, and I like competition, you know, yeah. I just, 
I, mean, I enjoy life with a little bit of competition. So I think that golf is perfect for me because you can, even at any age, you can have competitive golf with your friends and enjoy it. Absolutely. You may not always win, but it's fun competition. It is. How, how often do you play now? About a couple times a week now. Yeah. yeah. And do you still play at Carmel or do you play around uh, different places? Different places. I've moved away from Carmel a little bit. I'm more out in the country, so there's a, there's a small golf course out there called Charlotte National, and I play there a lot with my friends, and it's just convenient and good, and, and it's just, like I said, it's about golf competition. I don't really care where I play. I just like playing golf. Yeah, you know? I do too. If you could pick five golf courses in the Carolinas that were the only five you had left to play, uh, which five would they be? <laughs> well, I'd have, I'm, I'm biased because the Carmel South course, I had a big hand in That's building fine. that and designing that. So it would be one. Charlotte Country Club has always been a favorite because it's a classic old one. Um, down in your area, you know, any of those uh, Mike Strands golf courses, I love that. Yep. Um, any of the older classic ones throughout the Carolinas, I love those. So. I think that's more than five, but that's okay. Yeah. We'll give you a pass. Okay. You've earned it. Yeah. Um, what um, What do you see going forward in the future of turf grass maintenance in the Carolinas? Have your travels showed you anything, or do you have any thoughts on some of the stuff that's on the cusp of coming out? Uh, I think that what I've noticed the most in traveling is, is we need to all participate in what we talked about earlier, growing the game, that, that, that we, I see too many, not enough children or young people playing golf. So we need to all participate the best we can in improving access to golf courses through young people, particularly at the lower level golf courses. You know, not everybody's going to grow up at a country club, but just getting kids out there to play. Uh, another thing I notice is technology is a big part. But that works if you can afford to buy it. You know, not everybody can afford to buy this new technology. Um, I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah. You know, I don't. We didn't really need to go into specifics. Obviously, right. autonomous mowers and that kind of stuff is on the cusp. And I agree with you. It's certain people will be able to afford that, mm -hmm. and it'll come in on the high end first. But the middle to lower end, it'll take take years. It'll yeah. take you know, it could take decades before yeah. it really filters all the way down. Um, do you, when you work with superintendents on your visits, um, is there anything, is there one or two particular things that you try to leave them with or? Um... Uh, I'd say the biggest issue I see is shade. You know, we go out to look at agronomic issues, but nine times out of 10, we're gonna run into a shade issue that is cre creating these agronomic issues. So shade is, is the, and the superintendents I go, they know that. They just need a little help, Helen, trying to sell that the, these trees need to be thinned, removed, or whatever. It's just it's been this way for 10 or 20 years, but there's too many trees, and it's it's an issue of many golf courses. So it's not many visits I go on. Shade isn't a topic. I'd say another thing I'd say promote superintendents is, is lead your club. Just take as much initiative as you can to lead, because you are the expert. You know what that club needs. Just do the best you can within your abilities to, to lead into the right direction. So, because not everybody's doing this every day like you are. So I would say that'd be my two, two things I see we could work on is shade removal and just general leadership of the superintendent helping the club make decisions. I would guess that you've probably seen the role of the superintendent change mm -hmm. over your tenure in the business. Sure. And it's, we're trending in the right direction, wouldn't you say? Sure. Yep. Especially at the good clubs, yeah, they've yep. got strong people with strong credentials, and they're they're taking a leadership role. So I think we just need to keep going in that direction, and, and we'll 
we are the ones that can do that. I mean, superintendents are the ones that should be making these decisions to golf courses where, where money could be spent on the golf course. So. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all I have for my questions. Do you have anything else you'd like to say to the people before no, we go? Thank you. A pleasure to, to participate, and I appreciate the, the interest. So, yeah. my pleasure. Well, it's, it's an honor to sit here with you and speak with you, and we really appreciate you coming down and doing it. Okay, thank so, you. Thank you.